Hello, everyone. Welcome to What's the Point podcast. So excited to have you with us today. Um, Waypoint Church, I'm excited to have some wonderful people with us. Not the typical uh, wonderful people like Pastor Danny and Pastor Eric, but today we have somebody, some even better people. Um, we got Pastor Chuck and, pa- and Liz here. I almost said Pastor Liz, but Liz here. Pastor Liz, we heard it. <laughs> in, in the house. Pastor Liz is in the house. So everybody, I'm Lawrence Hugh, lead pastor of Waypoint Church. Chuck Reed, pastor of Rebuild Fellowship, Durham, and, North Carolina. And I'm Liz, who is a member at Waypoint Church and not a pastor. Pastor Liz! Bring <laughs> <laughs> the word, Pastor Liz, today. <laughs> well, guys, so excited to have all these wonderful guests. I want you guys to know, I invited Chuck today. Um, Chuck and I got to know each other at Summit um, at Briar Creek Campus, and he's just a man of God that I really admire. Um, he planted Rebuild Church almost two years ago, yeah. and it's an amazing church in Durham and that we're just really blessed to be partnered with, associated with, and um, we're just so blessed to have Pastor Chuck with us here today. And so, Chuck, I'm glad you're here. If you don't mind, if you tell a little bit about yourself to everybody listening. Man, first of all, thank you thank you all for having me here. I'm glad to be here. What's the point? I love the name of the uh, podcast, man. It kind of fits you to a T. Uh, we planted, uh, well, first a little bit about me. Uh, I am uh, originally from Virginia, came here in 94 to go to school at uh, North Carolina Central University, where I eventually ended up graduating in 2010. I've been married. Uh, we are over 17 years now. My wife and I, Yolanda, it's my chocolate sunshine, as I call her. Uh, we have two boys, our oldest. Is 25. Our youngest is, is soon to be 20 in August of 2020. And we have two grandchildren. Uh, our oldest, Keith. Oh, I didn't give the names of my son. Kiwan and Zion are the names of our son and sons. And then our, our grandchildren are Keith and Kaysen. Keith is three and a half. Kaysen just turned six months. So here's the deal. Liz just made a look at, look at me right now with her face. She's like, what? <laughs> You not look like you can be a yeah. grandpa. <laughs> I, got, I got grandchildren. Chuck Liz. has grandkids, and you look at him. You look at him like maybe what thirty years old. 35? Maybe, maybe, just maybe. Maybe. You, you maybe. Maybe. maybe, maybe. I just crossed that threshold of thirty. There it is, 20, Liz. Late twenties, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> if I'm a grandpa, you could be the pastor today. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Okay. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I tell you, Chuck. Chuck, Chuck looks good. I'm just saying, he looks young. Thank you, man. Young I appreciate man. that. Yeah. So we uh we planted uh the Lord had um. When I got saved, I got saved in uh, March of 2002. Uh, it was literally one of those things. I got saved in my bedroom. Uh, there was no like traditional kind of gospel presentation. Uh, it was one of those situations where I was enjoying my sinful life. Um, but after I went to Miami in 2001, uh, Memorial Day weekend, I came back and uh, life was never the same for me. Uh, it was just this deep emptiness and void I kept feeling in my life. And the more I indulged in things of the world and things of my flesh, the more that void and that emptiness uh, grew louder and deeper and wider within my soul. Uh, and then uh, it was two women, one that eventually became my wife, who the Lord literally spoke the same thing to um, in the same day. And that exact phrase was, it seems to me like you need to put God in your life. And so I went home, I took a shower, I then sat on my bed and I leaned back on my bed, threw my arms up and I just said, Lord, I surrender. And I went to bed. I love it. I woke up the next morning well, yeah. and that emptiness and that void was gone. And then I began to ask the Lord, what do you call me to do? He says, son, I've called you to pastor. Uh, then through a series of churches I became a part of, eventually landing at Summit, where I ended up planning out of. We planted Rebuild Fellowship, where we strive to uh, be disciple-making disciples who are advancing the kingdom of God by helping our people in our communities and in our church receive the good news of Jesus Christ, respond to the good news of Jesus Christ, and then reproduce the good news of Jesus Christ in the life of somebody else. So there we are. That's beautiful. Yeah, love that, love that. Thank you, man. And let me tell you guys, um, for those of you listening, uh, Chuck and Rebuild Fellowship has a great reputation in our community, in our city already. Even though they're mm-hmm. not even two years old, um, it's an honor to have him. It's an honor to partner with that church and uh, to see you, what God, the gospel work that God's doing through it. I'm mm-hmm. just so excited to hear about so much more and to partner with you guys even in the future in all so many different ways. Yeah, thank you, man. It's it's truly a blessed partnership. Uh, Lawrence and I hit it off when we came together in 2014. Man, I just <laughs> admire that brother's tenacity in ministry uh, there's there's people that have passion and discipline and focus but Lawrence has a tenacity to get the gospel out to the nation so I salute you brother well I'll take that word I like that word tenacity yeah. <laughs> yeah. I own that word I like that I like yeah that. <laughs> well Chuck man one of the main reasons I brought you in here man because I know 
man, the, who you are as a man of God, but also just your your um, ability to put into words um, and address issues of today so well. Wow. I mean, you're just a great communicator. And so one of the things I wanted to talk about today is some of the issues that are going on in our community, our nation, mm-hmm. some of the uh, issues happening with our protests and with um, police shootings and just so much going out on out there. And we just wanted somebody who I knew could communicate the gospel, but communicate the, the kind of understanding of what's going on now yeah. and paint a good picture for us as our people. Yes. We have so many people in our church right now who are confused, mm. who are grieving, who are struggling with uh, addressing issues, um, wondering how to communicate, wondering how to address issues, even wondering how to pray, yeah. um, wondering yeah. what to do. Yeah. There's so many yeah. myriad of questions, but also even there's people in our churches who are uh, people um, you know, of different minorities, different races, different ethnicities who are like, I don't even know how to process how I feel. Right, right. You know? Yeah. So I just want to start off by asking, in light of what's going on in our culture right now, Chuck, what do you feel? What is, what is in your heart right now? Right now, uh, honestly, I'm feeling lighter. Uh, and I know that's kind of, you know, uh, uh, it, it's different for everybody, as you can imagine. Uh, but for me, I'm feeling lighter uh, sitting in this probably. If you would ask me that question last week, mm. uh, I would have uh, the answer I was giving uh, folks, what you've kind of been hearing a lot of. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. Uh, it's just a. um it's one of those things that you can explain, but at the same time, you can explain like the weight of how it feels and what's been going on. And so right now I feel lighter. Why do I feel lighter? Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel lighter because I had to have a release. Uh, uh, so one thing I did having a release is I pulled back from some of the content that I was taking in. Uh, some of these images, uh, these reports, these the news cycles, you know, so all of these type of things I had to come out of that. And I had to uh, I had to sit back in the word because uh, you can be in the word, but not actually sitting in the word mm-hmm. and letting it minister to you. You know, uh, uh, we read the Bible and the Bible reads us as one of like our uh, core value statements. And so I had to get in his word and then allow the word to read me. And one of the places that I go to is one of my defaults is Lamentations three. But I call this to my mind and therefore I have hope. Mm-hmm. That the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases, that his mercies are new New. every day. You know, so great is the faithfulness of our Lord. Uh, And so that's what I had to do. I had to call to my mind. I had to bring it back to my mind because your mind begins to wander. And you're like, so many emotions, so many thoughts come into play. But I had to literally take that spiritual discipline of calling my wandering mind back to its rightful position at the feet of Jesus. Mm. And that's where I begin to get lighter, and that's where that hope comes in. That's good. Uh, and so, hey, you know, I don't know what later is going to look like or tomorrow, but right now that you ask me the question, I feel lighter. That's great. Yeah. That's great. You know, you've been in this area, Durham, you said so 1994? 94, yes, 94. sir. So you've been in this area for a while, and I hear a lot of people talking. They thought, they'll come up to me, and I hear them say, you know, Lawrence, I felt like we were doing better. As a nation, yeah. as a society, as a culture, I, I had more hope. I feel right. like we were doing better. Now I feel like we're, we're not. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's worse. Um, and I know what I say to those people, but what would you say to those people? Um, and that feeling of like, have we, done, have we gotten any better? Is it better? Or are we, are we worse off than we were as a society? What do you think? Yeah, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if we got better. I think we got more cunning. I think as 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 a nation, just like technology evolved, you know, the way you kind of deal with systemic racism evolves. Uh, So it's like uh, my children and my grandchildren, if I say no to something, they'll find a way, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, they'll find a way to eventually get around to what I told them no not to do. Uh, And so in like manner, I feel like. Uh, well, let me say this. I do believe that in some areas and in some places, things did get better. But as a collective whole, it didn't get better. And because we don't ever go to the root, it's like dealing with That's a right. weed. I can just continue to pluck off the, yeah. the stems of the, of the weed and just kind of make it seem like it's no longer there, but never got to the root. Mm. And so I feel like that is the thing that we're really... Now, with what has happened with the Joy, George Floyd situation, Ahmaud Arbery, uh, and, and seeing those images, the things that have happened, I think now uh, we can no longer say we cannot deal with the root. 
So I think that's where we are now. That, that, and just me, and, and just a quick disclaimer, you know, for those that are listening, you know, I, I don't position myself as the black subject matter expert, but I'll do my best to try to convey a perspective that I think is helpful in advancing the cause of justice and equity uh, in in our world and in our day, and particularly for us in our local community. So, mm-hmm. absolutely, um, Chuck. I just, yeah. I'm just loving listening to you talk, honestly. But um, in getting to that and thinking about the root, I have talked to some members at our church who have just voiced frustration with where the church has stood on this and a lot of just inactivity, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, we just want to, like, preach the gospel at it and just, right. like, hope that takes care of it. And um, I think maybe thinking about the root, something that I've been wrestling with myself and talking with my husband about is just, like, the kingdom of God and if what is what do we fundamentally believe is the kingdom of God is it just a place that we go to after we die right, so then right, we right, right. we're just about saving souls and we're just about um you know we gotta get out a hell free card right and so if <laughs> yeah. that's like the way that I we like see it. the kingdom then that's you know we're gonna live a certain way right and so how would you define the kingdom of God and do you believe well what do you believe are the implications of that on the church and its efforts towards things like racial reconciliation and other matters of justice? Right. Great question. Uh, I see why he, he slipped and called you past. So, <laughs> um, so it, one of the things I, I did uh, on last year, uh, I did this, this personal uh, Bible reading plan through the Gospels. And it's amazing uh, reading that. Uh, the the language of the kingdom of God and kingdom of heaven appears so many times mm-hmm. by none other than the leader himself, the Lord Jesus Christ. So he talks about that. And uh, here's where I sum it up. Here's where I sum it up uh, for me. Mark 10, 45. I came not to be served, but to serve and give my life as a ransom. That plays out in so many different ways. Uh, Jesus could have easily come down here and flexed flexed his authority flexed his kingdom privilege and he could have said it's all about me wow and truly it was all about him but he what did he always do he always pointed us back to the father and he pointed us back to the key core components of the kingdom of heaven justice equity mercy uh forgiveness love all of these type of things and he surrendered he gave of himself mm-hmm. he came not to be served. he who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of god and so i think it's hard for us to really understand the kingdom of heaven because we compartmentalize the gospel mm-hmm. too much right you know, we just we just say, oh, well, the gospel can really only apply here. The, the kingdom of heaven only applies here. But then we even miss how he taught us how to pray, mm-hmm. where he said, uh, 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 let your will be done in the earth as it is in heaven. And if we study the life of Jesus, if we study the teachings of Jesus, we'll be able to see that. So I present this accountability and assessment question to our church consistently. And that question is, it's rooted out of uh, Dr. King's letter from a Birmingham jail. And so out of that, he speaks to the churches that are being silent. The ones that 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 know that this is wrong, but they're unwilling to use their voice, their privilege to engage with the plight of the day to advance the kingdom of God. As they should be for those who are marginalized, those who are being oppressed, those who are being uh, uh, treated uh, uh, unfairly. They're not using what God gave them. Right. The, 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 The title of being an ambassador for the Lord Jesus Christ by by which he makes his appeal through us. Dr. King was saying, hey, you're not even being an ambassador. For Jesus and allowing his appeal of love, of mercy, of justice, of equity to be communicated in the earth. And that's a problem. And so out of that, he, he poses the question. I'm paraphrasing. He poses the question. Are you going to be a true witness about this? Are you going to be a true witness of the gospel of Jesus Christ? So I pose this question to our church. Will we be a church that is a true witness for the Lord Jesus Christ? Mm that is rooted and abiding in his teachings and in his spirit 
what happens is to go back to your question is what happens is we're good at communicating the teachings of Jesus, mm-hmm. but we don't have his spirit. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah. And so it's, it becomes a uh, uh, pun intended. It becomes white noise. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And so because of that, I can hear you. I can hear you all day, right? The message, I, I, I can hear the message, but it's going to be hard for me to receive it by the spirit in which you're communicating it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's Wow. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah. Talk about Chuck. You know, Chuck, at Waypoint, we have this statement. We say the church has a twofold uh, role, a twofold reason to exist. One is we're supposed to be the coming attraction. We're the preview of the kingdom of heaven. You know, we want people to look at the church and say, that's what the kingdom of heaven is like. That's what kingdom of God is like. I want that. Right. I want to be a part of that. That speaks to me the way they forgive and fight for justice and the way they live in diversity. Mm-hmm. But we also say what the second role is that we're supposed to be advancers of that kingdom uh, on earth. Yeah, yeah. You yeah, know? I love it. So that's kind of who we believe we are. So at Waypoint, we try to do that by the way we live in diversity, the way we lo- live in forgiveness, and the way we fight for justice. Right. So one thing I want to ask you then is for you to give a word to Waypoint. Hmm. Mm-hmm. How can we be people who are instruments of that kingdom advancement right. through um, in this time, in this society, in this topic? Mm-hmm. What can we do? What needs to be done by us? Wow. <laughs> so um, just hearing that alone as advancers, so I think one thing would be like out of that, okay, how do we define what advancing looks like with this particular situation mm-hmm. how overall because we have an overall mission we have an overall kind of core value that's central to us but what does that look like for us so that could be you know getting some folks in a room and getting a whiteboard uh some bibles and some other resources that are helpful uh i see you have inside outside over there by my great big brother and mentor brian loritz uh you know some some resources that are similar to that and hash it out you know, what does it look like? You know, the, the culture and, and, and the people here. So what does it look like for us to take action? Uh, so w- when you think about that, one, I want to encourage. First, I want to encourage. And then I, 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 Holy Spirit, I believe, will give me a way to speak about equipping. Um, so first is that, you know, know that scripture is true, that God hasn't given you a spirit of fear, but power, love and a sound mind as it relates to this. So to uh, my, my, my white brothers and sisters, uh, you have been equipped by God's word and by his spirit that you do not have uh, to walk in a spirit of fear in this area. You can use your voice uh, and, and understand that, that what God gives you in exchange for that, he takes away that fear and what he gives you, his power, his love, and his mind and he tells us uh philippians uh let this mind be in you which was also in christ jesus who humbled himself and he became a bond servant you know out of that you know he submitted himself uh to the needs and cares of others paul talks about that in philippians 1 as well he says look not solely to your own interest but more so look to the interests of others okay so how do we do this and one thing that that you'll hear uh consistently is use your voice Use your voice. And so within your relationships, within your immediate family, extended family, within your uh, work dynamic, uh, your your friend circles, use your voice. When you hear somebody uh, make a statement that uh, is even borderline racist. Hey, 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 as a child of God, we, we don't mm-hmm. we don't do that. Where's that coming from? Mm-hmm. Because we know scripture says I, I got a lot. I, I got a lot of scripture that I put out there. It's not because I'm the holier than thou guy. It's because I'm a knucklehead and I bump my health, uh, myself enough. And the Lord has taught me through His Word about Just that. Just bring the so, scripture. Okay. Come yeah, on, please. Yes. Bring it. <laughs> yeah, please. So, you know, so it's like it, it, you know, it kind of. I even forgot the scripture I was going to give in a moment. But it's just. Um, <laughs> It's just kind of, you know, kind of speaking to that to know that, hey, I got that's right. I don't have a spirit of fear. And if anybody persecutes you on this, Jesus said they're not persecuting you. They're persecuting me. Mm-hmm. So Jesus is already giving you coverage. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we we look coverage. You already have coverage. You already have God's authority to say you can speak in this area and you're not released in fear. You're released in faith. Right. And so that's that's one of the things I would say. So use it starts. It starts in your immediate circles. You know, how are you one educating yourself 
on the on, on the the areas of particularly in this case the plight of black people in america you know how are you educating yourself to really understand by which you can develop empathy and then out of that now okay now my equipping is okay to go be a disciple maker disciple people in this area it's nothing any different for what would do anything else it's because we're dealing in america and that's the pervasive uh principality or power that exists over america which is uh racism that is that is this nation's evil uh so we deal with that and because even more so we're in the south so it's even more like in our face with it and so now what i do i stand up in my god-given authority with the word and I use the word. If he told me, right, if he says uh, the two, all of the law is summed up in these two. Love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then to love your neighbor as you love yourself. Think about it. How would I want myself to be loved in this situation? Mm-hmm. How would I want me to be cared for if this was me? And then the light of God's love in his word, his grace, and his mercy should rise up in your soul, in your heart and mind. Bam, there's an action step. So when you don't know what to do, then this is what you do. You work the word because the word works, right? Mm-hmm. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. I trust in the Lord with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I lean not to my own understanding. I acknowledge him in all my, may, in my ways and he'll direct my paths. Even in this area of racial uh, injustice and in, in all the things that we're seeing, if I just lean into the Lord. Mm. Lean into the Holy Spirit. He's going to direct me on what to do. So some things are very practical that you can do. Hey, call somebody up. Even if it's awkward, have dinner with somebody. And tell them straight up, I'm going, this is going to be very awkward. Because I'm, I'm probably going to be that stereotypical white person that's probably going to annoy you. But I need to learn. And I'm putting myself out there to be vulnerable to learn. Will you help me? Good. You know, you made a statement about racism being one of the fundamental bondages, one of the fundamental sins of this nation. Yes. And I love the way you approach that. You approach it as something that's a principality, mm-hmm. it's a spiritual battle. Yeah. And so we use the word, we use prayer. Mm-hmm. And the word, that's one of the big things that I think as we pray against racism in our own hearts and the hearts of others, we pray against systemic racism, we pray against systemic injustice. What we're doing is we're acknowledging one, we need the Lord to move in powerful mm-hmm. ways. Two, he's changing our own hearts. And then three, he's equipping us in that whole process Amen. to do exactly what you said. So for us, to come to that fundamental understanding that it is a sin, that it's a systemic sin, that it's a stronghold, right. that it's a bondage. That just changes the whole dynamic of the fight. Right. You know? Exactly. Because because now, aware, here's the thing. Awareness should lead me to action. That's right. Mm-hmm. So I become aware and then I move into action. We, we learn this in marriage. Right. I become aware of something and we as husbands better move into some action. Liz, mm. you, you get sitting in a different seat on that. Yeah. But we as husbands, we need to move into some action or else it's going to be a problem. And you know, that's one of the things that people come to me like, Lawrence, I feel like it's it's so much worse now. And I'm like, it's not the worst part of the same because it's sin. But mm-hmm. what's happening is this is God's mercy. He's shining a light now where before back in the day, people would brush it under the rug. Back right. in the day, these issues, we wouldn't have video and wait too many, for way too long. People wouldn't listen and believe the voices they heard. They needed the video. So right. all this stuff that's happening, it's not any different, but maybe now there's a time where God making awareness happen. Right. Then awareness then can lead into action. Awareness can lead to empathy. Empathy can lead to prayer, and prayer moves to God moving in action. Mm-hmm. You know? Yep. So my hope is not that, oh, it's so frustrating. Oh, I can't believe how bad it is now. It should be getting better. No, it's the same. It's evil. It's sin. It's injustice. But now God is we're seeing a light being shown. And may this light keep on shining then, revealing these darkness so that we can make adequate responses, you know? Just like a husband being shown, like you were saying, right. where you're messing up with your wife. Well, then that's now, now that you're aware, do something about it. Exactly. And it's taken on, I mean, it's become more intelligent. Because, you know, it's like, you know, the very first, if you look at the very first computer to what we have now, I mean, good gracious, that thing has, I mean, it's, you wouldn't even know, like, it feels like the weight of an old computer is like the weight of an actual car now. It's like compared to what we have now, you know, you can lift up a a laptop with two fingers. It's so light. So, you know, what has ended up happening is 
in a sense, racism has kind of fashioned itself to become more intelligent, more cunning, right? More, uh, I can be in your face, but out your face at the same time. You know, it's very slick. And that's that's what scripture talks about. The enemy does. You know, he's more cunning than any other beast in the field. See, what Lord has done for me, I have to see this with kingdom eyes. Mm-hmm. I have to see it with kingdom eyes because I'm in this world, but I'm not of this world. That's right. And if I'm going to be an effective contributor to adding value to the advancing of black and brown people in our country, I've learned that my natural weapons don't work mm-hmm. because we wrestle not against flesh and blood, That's but right. a spiritual, uh, spiritual powers and wickedness in high places, rulers. of the, So I'm wrestling against all these things. And where do I find my power from? And he says the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal. They're not of the flesh. They're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. This has been a stronghold for us. I have to see it with kingdom eyes. Because mm-hmm. if I don't, I'm going to get into the flesh. And if I sow into the flesh or the flesh, I reap corruption. I know Chuck Reed. And so if, if I'm going to be an ambassador for Jesus Christ, that's where my first identity lies. I was just telling a brother this yesterday. He was extremely angry and literally told me, Lawrence, I decided not to come to your church because there's white people there. I don't trust white people. And I had to, I, this is what I had to do. And I know some black people, ah, oh, there you go. You one of them. You one of them Jesus talking people. See, that's what I'm talking about. You, you, you just being soft. You know, no, 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 no. I'm about to be soft. I'm saved. That's right. Mm-hmm. I, I'm sorry. I have a kingdom perspective. Mm-hmm. And so now, now what I say is I realize that my primary identity is as a child of God. That's right. As a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. That's right. And he has given me weapons. He has given me principles. He's given me guidelines. He's given me himself mm-hmm. in order to deal with these matters. That's right. Um, I just, man, you're already touching on this. And honestly, I just love, I just want you to keep preaching, honestly. Just, but just, I'm I just with you. So we just talking about the root of racism then, like let's peel back and look at the glory and beauty of the gospel. And like, what is it when we look closely at the gospel that tears down that hostility? What is it that real? and you're, you've already been touching on it. I just right. want to keep hearing you talk about it, I guess. But like, right. what, what is it about the gospel that, calls out racism for what it is and actually mends broken relationships and unifies us. Um, it, it flows back to the beginning, Genesis. The gospel said, right? One of, one of the starting sentences we can use in scripture that really communicates the beauty and power of the gospel is for God in the beginning, God for God, it all started with him. It began with him for God in the beginning was God for God. So loved the world, the world that he created in the beginning, Genesis one, he breaks down God start, in the beginning. God, the whole story is about him. Right. And so we see this now and then we see he create And so out of that, what did God do? God created a means for us to be reconciled back to him through his son, Jesus Christ. And he said, for God so loved the world, the world I created that I could have because of sin and disobedience and outright rebellion. I could have just did away with all y'all because I'm God like that. See, we don't want to talk about the Old Testament God. We just (laughs) he's still the same God. He ain't changed. But we're covered by mercy and grace because of what Jesus did for us. Is that we don't have he's not going to pay us again or charge us again with that penalty because Jesus paid it all. Mm -hmm. He stood in our place and took our place. Right. So when I say for God so loved the world that he gave so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe would not perish but have eternal life. What that speaks against is the gospel. When you when you use language of uh, uh, and you treat people as this as if they're other, as if they're not worthy to be loved and cared for and watch this atoned for by God, it goes against the gospel mm-hmm. that he loved the world. So we're saying God can love everybody else but black people. 
God can save everybody else but brown people. God can, so what, what I'm saying is that God esteems this particular group of people higher than any other. Well, that goes against the beauty of Revelation 5 or Re- 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 mm-hmm. Revelation 7, where he says all tribes, all tongues, all nations, the F- all ethnos will be around the throne of God singing his praises one day. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it goes against the love of God. Mm-hmm. And that's the beauty. He loved the world. It's a love that is unconditional. It is undying and it never loses its power. So you mean to tell me that we as professing believers cannot love one another as Christ has loved us. That's where he said the two laws are summed up in. We love our neighbor as we love ourselves. I obviously must not love myself if I'm going to treat somebody else like that. It is it it goes against the power and beauty of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because now what we're saying, we're we're showing it's the sin of partiality. I only have one view, one one lens that I can only see the gospel. It has been whitewashed. That's not the gospel. The gospel is for all. So when we have seen images of white Jesus for a while, Lawrence, I thought Charleston Heston was Moses. Yeah. The water thing. Exactly. I was like, you know, because that's the only images we got out of that. And those type of images, those things that see continues to keep a certain group of people oppressed. I thought Jesus looked like the guy from the Bee Gees. I, you know what I'm saying? Like the blonde hair, the blue yeah, eyes. Yeah, same deal. And I was waiting for him to get on the keyboard with his brothers, you know, the disciples. And, you know, rock it out. So, you know, I don't know. But I think that's what it speaks. I think it speaks. It, 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 what about the gospel? that Because it doesn't communicate God's love. Mm-hmm. You know the beautiful thing as we my look opinion. At, mm-hmm. We look at the but you said back in the beginning we see God made man in the image of Him. Mm-hmm. He, the mm-hmm. dignity that He placed upon mankind as He created them in His image, and then you see the whole Old Testament, this story of God forming a people out of all people, out of all people, and He formed a people and says, "You are my people, and I've set you apart to be a holy nation, a royal priesthood, a kingdom of priests, yes. so that you are made to be a blessing to the whole world." Mm-hmm. And the whole story of the gospel is not just what happened in the New Testament. The whole story was God pursuing his people, God rescuing his people, God redeeming his people. Mm-hmm. And then not only that, he's renewing yes. and recreating the earth. And so this fight for justice, this advancement of his kingdom is a continuation of God's original plan that he's mm-hmm. had laid out from the beginning of the Bible, granting dignity to man and restoring to them what was lost in the fall. And so I see this incredible, the, really the good news is the whole story. Yes. Mm-hmm. The good news is that he made us in his image. He rescued us from sin and the fall. He's redeeming us. And then he's recreating and using us to recreate the world as the way it should be. Where justice flows in the streets, where grace and mercy happens, where the lion li- lies down, uh, or the, the wolf and the goat and the lion and the lamb, they can all lie down together in yes. peace, where the, the sword is turned into a plowshare. And this is this beautiful story, the hope that we hold on to is God is doing this work. He's using us to do it. And part of that work now practically is we're fighting for justice. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so I think that's just an incredible thing God's given us. Yep. Now, knowing your church, Chuck, we know that it's diverse church. And mm-hmm. same as Waypoint, we're a diverse church. Right. How do you handle um, maybe conflict yes. or issues of differences that might come up um, uh, in, 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 in your own body? Yes. Uh, I learned this from my time at Summit. Uh, this is something kind of a uh, springboard that the Lord gave me to dive in deeper in understanding how to deal with conflict. Um, it was it's actually uh, it's actually rooted in um, the Great Commission passage in Matthew 28. Going to all the world, preach good news, mm-hmm. baptizing them. Name and follow son of the Holy Ghost, teaching them what you have learned and observed in me. And lo, I'll be with you to the end of the age. I probably jacked all that up because I'm thinking real fast right now. <laughs> so forgive me for those that are listening, but you know, you know what I mean by that. So it was rooted in there. Here's here's uh here's what I, I, I learned out of that. There's one, there's no comfort in the commission. And so out of that I realized that matters uh, when you're trying to do something like that when you're going into all the world and for me locally my world is Durham uh, so if I as I'm going into Durham I know that I'm going to come across conflict and things that are going to make me uncomfortable but then he says at the end lo I'm with you to the end of the age so out of that 
I know that he's with me. Right. He equips me. He strengthens me. He gives me hope, you know, to be able to do that. So that's that's one of the first things uh, that I learned, you know, from that. That's kind of helps me stay centered, if you will. Uh, then uh, he has also um, told me that um, don't ever let your preferences trump my purpose. And we all by nature, whatever cultural upbringing or background that we have come out of or come from uh, whatever places that we normally sit in. Uh, I can't let uh, my preferences trump God's kingdom purpose for his church in his earth. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was something uh, that was life changing for me because, you know, we were really moving in this at summit and uh, you know, you just, Okay, is there anything that's going to look like me, sound like me, feel like me at some point on this journey? And somebody has come a long way in this area. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they'll tell you we, they, we still have a long way to go. Um, but because of that, you get frustrated. You get you get frustrated with it. And I came to a place of complete frustration. And uh, and that's when the Lord smacked me upside the head and he said, uh-uh, uh-uh. Uh-uh-uh. I'm doing a work that you wouldn't believe even if told. Uh, so, um, so I kind of sit with that and then I allow, um, the Lord to one minister to me first. Uh, cause we've had that conflict even recently, uh, during this, this time, uh, COVID and, um, the things of race, you know, we've had those places of conflict mm-hmm. and when what you see is we see when it, when I have boiled down, boiled it down for us, it's more so preference. This is just what I want to do. Mm-hmm. And I say a lot of times, uh, the only time we can really use I in the presence of God is I surrender. <laughs> you know, that's pretty that's pretty much what it boils down to. So uh, I try to get our people not to use the wrong pronouns. Mm, like it's, you know, I, I need to surrender. You know, when you take an accountability for you, I need to surrender. So that's something that has helped me deal with conflict. Uh, also, one of the things is dealing with conflict is this is going to seem practical and maybe not on long lines of maybe what. The questions seem to lean towards, but you got to have healthy spaces to vent. No, that's mm-hmm. perfect. That's yeah. great. Yeah. Uh, because you 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 need those. And that's why I talk about, you know, uh, friends of the faith versus faithful friends, like faithful friends. They'll go with you whatever way the wind blows. You can be as wrong as wrong can be <laughs> because they have a dependency on you. It's something within them, whether it's insecurity, whether it's a flaw within them, whether they uh, don't feel value, they don't know their self-esteem or whatever the case may be. Um, they may cling more tightly to you. Uh, and so if you're wrong, they, all right, they'll find a way to support you in your wrong. If you're right, they'll find a way to support you in your right. Um, a friend of the faith will call you out. And they don't care because they understand they care, but they don't care because they they're what's most important for them is your soul. Both of those can exist in the same space, if you will. So you can be a faithful friend that's a friend of the faith. But if you break the two parts, and this is most so based off my life experience, I know people that I was as wrong as wrong could be. And they'll find a way to love me and champion me on and stick with me and stick with me. But then when I became a friend of the faith, they weren't around no more. And then God sent in people who became my friends of the faith that would tell me uh, uh, as 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 my old some of my old elders of the family used to tell me, boy, your doo doo stink. <laughs> you know, so they'd be able to let me know that I'm off. And you need to get cleaned up. You need to get in God's where you need to repent. You need to get yourself together and get back out here. So having healthy spaces to vent helps to do a soul cleanse. Mm. Like I can get this off and now I can hear reason. Mm. Now I can hear the voice of God speak to me on how I go and handle that conflict. And I remember that the core component of all this is rooted in the love of God. That's good. So basically you're saying... um, Focus on purpose over preference. Yes. Uh, make sure that you have healthy places to vent and to c- communicate uh, frustration, anger, upsetness, whatever it may be. Yes. Have friends of the faith who are willing to call you out when you're wrong um, that you do do stink. Right. Yeah, yeah so exactly. There's, there's a really good, right. re- really yeah. great component on how to handle conflict in the church. One of the things I like you to like tell people. like that do do stink part. Well, <laughs> I just wanted to say it. <laughs> I know it. One of the things that I tell people at our church is yeah. that we have to have conflict. People are just so 
scared of conflict. Mm-hmm. And I say when 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 the word says iron sharpens iron, yes, it causes sparks. Mm-hmm. It doesn't happen without sparks. Right. We need conflict. Conflict is natural. If you're if you're never having conflict, that means you're never close enough to rub each other wrong. Right. You know, but we're called to be close. We're called to be intimate. We're called, called to be family together. Yep. So we should be rubbing each other wrong. We right. should be causing sparks. Mm-hmm. But it's how we handle it in those sparks that makes us Christ followers, exactly. that identifies our character, um, or what our hearts are. Right. And like scripture says, uh, Psalm 119, it was good that I was afflicted that I may learn your statutes. It's like in that place of conflict or what can be considered as a form of affliction, right? Then then I can I can now learn more about God's word and how that rightly applies to my life. And that's where like Proverbs comes into play. Uh, uh, a soft answer turns away wrath. So that's what I, that's what I, I have to have healthy spaces to vent. So now when I'm in that conversation, I do more listening than I do responding. I do more. I do. I, 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 and then I sit in a space where I can now respond with a soft word mm. and not come harsh. Uh, but, you know, that's that's part of the learning process because I've had a lot of heated fellowships. So <laughs> got to have them. Got to have them. I know some people are so afraid of them, but you got to have them. Got to have them. What you got for me, Liz? I know you got something. Oh, man. You're stewing I'm over just there. I'm so encouraged listening to you. I think that I am coming from a place of just personally, I feel like the Lord's really been opening my eyes more to this and shying away from conversations around race because I feel like, oh, to bring up race makes me a racist, right? Like that false idea that like, oh, to yeah. even mention to even mention differences, maybe I'm participating in that in some way, which is, which is false. And so um, just, yeah, I don't know. I guess just my major takeaway of that, the body of Christ, like we're a family first and foremost. And like what you guys are saying, if there's not conflict, that's a problem. Right. That means you're not really family, right? Because mm-hmm. we fight. We right. fight my family. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, I think, you, man, you've already touched on a lot of my questions that's for good. you. Um, what, what, let, yeah. let me let me ask you this question. So let me ask you a question. So we, we talked about this earlier, the question where you were like, uh, I think it was the God, how does the gospel impact the yeah, yeah. the love part? That uh-huh. question, you, you got it before yeah, you get? Uh, that one I just kind of, <laughs> I you think just, the spirit spoke that yeah, into spirit, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah, yeah. How does the gospel, it, how is that an affront to racism? Like what is, yeah, what, what, how does it? What do you, what, what's your response to that? Um, I think that Ephesians comes to mind where it says that in in Jesus, like in his body, he tore down that yes. wall of hostility that uh-huh. it, and I think I just, I want to sit in that more. I've never read that passage in terms of like racism now. I've read that in terms of Jews and Gentiles, but that's, I mean, that was also an ethnic issue, right? And so just right. like wanting to read that with new eyes, I just haven't, it kind of came to my mind as we were talking. So I want to sit in it more and yeah, just absolutely. like, just, yeah, just let that kind of shed some more light on man like the gospel's sufficient i think to see all the darkness and the the violence and the oppression it's not new like pastor lawrence said um but it's there and as we look and get into the nitty-gritty can we continue to look back to the cross and back to the gospel and say it's still sufficient like it's still enough to right. conquer this That's in good. our midst um that's yeah, good. and I think people when they when they say, what I love what you said about it is like I want to sit in this more, right? I think that's a beautiful thing because I think we can be so quick to rush to an action plan, right? And um, the the story of the of the good Samaritan is the fact that he got in the ditch, mm-hmm. and he was uh, he was touching. The, the 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 one who was in the trench and was in blood and just he got down and he got in the trench and what we haven't experienced from uh let me say this what we have experienced on a smaller scale that i have hope is happening on a larger scale now is that we are having more white brothers and sisters who are willing to get down in the trench with us. This, this, these racism, systemic injustice, these things that have played out for black and brown people, particularly black people. Let me just um, say it has happened for brown people because I'm a black man. I'm just going to kind of speak to that context as best mm-hmm. I can. Like we've dealt with this so long. We've been in that ditch and folks have come by and seen us there, including the church have seen us there 
and let us lay there in blood as as we've cried out for help. And so now what you saw through George, isn't it interesting that the very thing God gave us when he formed us, he breathed his breath into us. That's the very thing that this man was crying out for. The thing that God gave us, man should not be able to take away. And so when we look at that, that was such, if you really sit with it in kingdom eyes in that moment, that video, God begins to bring that out even more to see how in the front it is to the gospel Mm -hmm. that we have now become the authority figures on life. So even when you hear um, uh, and this what happens is um, um, when you when you hear about uh, evangelical circles, you know, and it kind of puts some black people that are familiar with it and put them on edge because, you know, we'll most often hear our white brothers and sisters bang the drum uh, as it relates to pro-life, but it's only within the womb. Outside of the womb, it doesn't seem like you care less. Mm-hmm. So are we really pro-life or do we have preferences? Mm-hmm. We compart we 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 uh we divide out the parts of the gospel that we want to use. And then isn't it interesting that we even think we're the authority figures on the gospel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like if, like when you talk about sitting in if you sit with the gospel, it blows your it continues to blow your mind, blow your mind, blow your mind. And we think we can condense it to a book sometimes because we've studied it long enough. Mm-hmm. No, the gospel gets more beautiful, mm-hmm. more powerful, and, and it goes deeper in our understanding, more than than ten thousand books could ever contain. Mm-hmm. So it's just it's just part of you know, it's just part of growing. And that's why I say I have to have kingdom eyes, because if I look at it with earthly eyes, I'm going to be a problem in many ways yes yeah i just yeah just everything you're saying amen um but i think thinking about our church at waypoint we have some members who live um in these like intentional living communities cross-culturally um mostly within um like a apartment complex among refugees um Mm -hmm. my husband and i spent a couple years living in Northeast Central Durham, and we were with a group of people who we were somewhat diverse, but mostly white. Right. And you I've just the been Dwell initiative. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I've been unpacking, unpacking, and reflecting on that time more. It's, I'm probably about five, six years removed from it now, mm-hmm. and um, just kind of trying to unpack what, what, what were we doing? What what was what were our goals there? Um, I, I guess I just want to hear if you have a word for people who want to get, quote unquote, in the trench, like you're saying of like, right. I want to be in it. I want to do life with people in it. Um, I think for me, I was really focused on seeing it as a primarily spiritual problem. Mm-hmm. And so for me at my best or at, at its best, this would cause me a focus on the physical as a means to the spiritual conversation. And then at its worst, it kept me from loving the whole person. It yes. kept me from really just authentically engaging without trying to get something in return. Right. Um, that's just a little bit of background. So I'm guessing, do you have a word for people who want to be living in a way that puts them in more intimate relationships with people who are, who are of different race, different socioeconomic status, like, yeah. Uh, great question. Uh, I, I believe uh, that Dwell Initiative, you know, it was Holy Spirit inspired uh, through my great friend, one of my best friends, KJ Hill. Uh, love that man. Shout out to KJ if you're listening. Mm-hmm. Uh, but KJ kind of helped to start that movement uh, here in the area. Phenomenal. Uh, I love what my brother Cam Trigg says. Uh, we want to we want to run to places that everybody else runs away from. I think. Uh, in the spirit of those two brothers, I think that's what uh, KJ was trying to lead out and have other people come and be a part of that. We want to go into spaces that we don't uh, we don't typically go to uh, because it's easy. White flight is easy. I mean, the system is set up to where it's easy for you to get along. You can mm-hmm. move wherever you want to move. And uh, white people in America really can do life without any other ethnic group in America. Mm-hmm. If they so choose. Um, and so that's the, that's what KJ was pushing up against. 
when he uh, was led by the spirit of God to make that ask of a lot of people. And so going in those spaces, it gives you a perspective. The Apostle Paul, right? It's, it's biblical uh, in a sense. Well, in a sense, you can't say it's biblical in a sense. It's <laughs> biblical from the standpoint of uh, what the Apostle Paul do. Uh, Apostle Paul went. What I like to say, he went to the temple and he went to the trap, right? So <laughs> trap is like, you know, so he goes, he goes to the trap. He hangs out with them. He learns the culture, he learns the language, right? He goes to the temple, he learns the culture and learns the language. And he says, okay, I'm learning these two, right? So hopefully, because I understand what Jesus did when he reconciled us vertically back to God, the father, but then he also reconciled us one to back to Ephesians. He had reconciled us one to another and creating in himself one new man. So I'm going to learn these cultures because I'm going to now ask God to be able to give me the wisdom to bring these two together so that can see in Christ, they be created as one new man. And he said his goal, he knew that he was not able to save some I mean all he said so that I might save some why because he wanted to take those people that he uh, shared the gospel with and got saved with and discipled with in the trap the same one he did in the temple and he wanted them to go in their context and save people and go in their context to save people and point them back to the gospel and say because of what Jesus Christ has done for us we are all the same at the foot of the cross and the people in the temple and the trap can coexist together in the power and beauty of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Right. So when you see that now, what that does is when you put yourself in those spaces, what you end up doing is now obtaining a perspective that is now incarnational and it's not volunteerism. There's a difference. Mm -hmm. Volunteerism. You can come and go as you please. Mm -hmm. I determine when I'm going to do this. But when you incarnate yourself like Jesus did, when we take on he he who knew no sin became sin. He incarnated himself into this this worldly context, into this earthly context, put on sinful flesh, wrapped himself in it, lived a perfect and obedient life, carried all of that to the cross on our behalf, defeated the enemy, defeated sin on Friday, defeated death on Sunday, defeated the enemy on Saturday. Ain't he bad? Ain't he bad? So he he was strategic every day of the week for doing that. So he incarnated himself. Why? So he can produce the resurrection power that we would need in a day like this, when we would come in contact with people that don't look, think, walk, talk, act, vote, whatever, sing, whatever, like us, and we can still stand in a position to offer up the love of Jesus. God, we being His ambassadors, making His appeal through us. I love that scripture. Mm-hmm. Right. That's the beauty of it. So now I take on a more kingdom minded perspective and I get out of my own worldview. Mm-hmm. And that's the beauty of it. Mm. And that's why that's why that's why. Listen, watch this. Um, what I've noticed, it's easier for my white brothers and sisters to go way across the world mm-hmm. to do mission. But won't do it 5, 10, 15 minutes from their own home. Mm because it's volunteer volunteerism versus being incarnational Mm -hmm. that's where i think we got we have to come up in as the church i don't expect this from the unsaved but here's the thing unsaved folk do it better than we do They take on godly or kingdom principles better than we do. They're willing to get out and use their voice and fight. They're willing to get out and make a change. They're willing to do all these type of things. But it's the church. For some reason, we find reasons to add more bricks to that dividing wall that Jesus already tore down. That's good. Yeah. I love it, Chuck. Chuck, man, we appreciate it so much, man. We appreciate you being here with us. Can you give one last word? To the people at Waypoint who are living in this, um, attempting to live in this kingdom preview mindset where we want to be incarnational, we want to see the kingdom advance, uh, we're striving to be in the ditch, right. uh, to, to, to live like the Good Samaritan and to be gospel people. Can you give a word to, to our people as um, 
we're, if we're repenting from our sin and moving to becoming people of the kingdom? I'm going to do two things. So I'm, I'm going to try my best to speak to two camps. I'm going to do this very quickly. Uh, this, this, the Lord revealed to me uh, during the Trayvon Martin situation. It was in Habakkuk chapter one. So I want to use this to encourage my uh, people of color, my brothers and sisters of color at Waypoint. Yes. So I want to use this yes. to encourage yeah. them. But then I also want to give out of um, Micah. Micah chapter six, which many, uh, well, us in the room probably very familiar with, um, as for my white brothers and sisters, and and hopefully that'll help to Please, answer this exactly, last thought. Uh, that's exactly what we need. So in Habakkuk chapter one, uh, verse one says the oracle that Habakkuk the prophet saw. That's a very interesting verse. This is what he saw. This is what the Lord revealed to him. And this is what the Lord had revealed to me. Verse two, O Lord, how long shall I cry for help and you will not hear or cry to you violence and you will not save? Why do you make me see iniquity and why do you idly look at wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise. So the law is paralyzed and justice never goes forth for the wicked surround the righteous. So justice goes forth perverted. Is this not 2020 mm. in America? Yeah. Verse five. Here, how's the Lord responds. Look among the nations and see wonder and be astounded. For I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe mm -hmm. if told. Mm. So here's what I've been able to see. So for my brothers and sisters of color at Waypoint and anybody else listening, here's what the Lord has revealed to me uh, years ago with Trayvon Martin that he's brought back to my remembrance this day. If you look out now, look amongst the nations, wonder me astounded. I can't recall in my lifetime, I'm 44 years of age. I can't recall in my lifetime where I've seen the nations collectively stand up. Paris, Africa, Australia, you look, the, the nations have literally said, no, 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 no. We're in this fight with you. Amen. Mm -hmm. that, so I haven't seen that. Most times when things happen, it's more so concentrated or within the boundaries of the United States of America. Mm -hmm. This has gone global. Mm hmm. The, 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 the eight minutes and 46 seconds of tragedy that we have witnessed and seen with George Floyd has sent a shockwave that I believe God is calling the nations at large to take attention of. Right. And even in that pain, God is revealing his purpose. Mm. He still, listen, his mission hasn't changed. And watch this, his method hasn't changed either. That's right. For the church, our mission hasn't changed. Our methods may need to, but our mission, God's message, mission, and method has not changed. He's, it's all been done through the cross, mm -hmm. through Jesus Christ. Okay. And so there's, listen, my brothers and sisters, I know it may be hard for you wherever you've been sitting in this. I know it's been challenging. I know that what I'm saying to you right now, for some of you, you may even feel a little pissed off with me right now because you probably think I've taken using a lot of Christianese language and taking the safe way out. I'm telling you right now, I'm trying to point you back. To see the right hand of God working in the earth and that he has already enacted justice through his son, Jesus Christ, mm. and he's continuing to do it. Sure. I promise you, you just have to keep a kingdom. To, but I call this to my mind and therefore I have hope that the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies are new every day. Your God is great and beside him there is none other. Take heart. Do not lose. In this life you will have trials and tribulations, but fear Fear not, do not lose heart. Jesus Christ has already come, overcome the world and its evils. I promise you that he's already written it, recorded it, and has done, has sent his son to reveal it. Mm. So that's the, that's the, that's the first thing for my people that's of good. color. The second thing I want to give, last thing I want to give is in Micah chapter six, verse eight, familiar passage of scripture that many of you may already be familiar with. He has told you, mm. oh man, oh woman of God. What is good? And what does the Lord require of you? Actually, this goes back to what Pastor Lawrence asked earlier. What's our action step? Here it is. What does the Lord require of you? But to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. 
Isn't it interesting the way it's kind of listed out? He requires you to do justice Mm -hmm. and to love kindness. And then he says, walk humbly with me. Mm -hmm. Right. It's kind of interesting the way he, way he puts that out there because it's, it's understanding the, his spirit, the love, the love that comes with his spirit. And then out of the spirit, out of the, once you get his spirit inside, and that's what the God, you are born again. You take on a new nature, a new spirit out of that spirit. Now it's easily to walk with our God, walk humbly with him because it's his spirit that minister to us. It's his spirit that conforms us. It's his spirit that lives in him. We live and move and we have our being. And because of that, now it's easier because I'm, I'm operating out of his spirit. I can see it, feel it. I've tasted and seen that the Lord is good. And now I can walk in it. I can walk. I can do justice, love kindness and walk humbly with my God. Those are three action steps. How does that play out in your life? You'll have to get with the Holy Spirit and with your people and you'll have to ask him collectively. God, how does this practically look out for us? But here it is spiritually to do justice. So to do justice means I need to be a voice for the voiceless. Mm How do I use my voice in my local or or immediate spheres of influence, my relational networks? How do I use my voice there? Am I am I using this when I go to vote? Am I using any 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 financial privilege, any any educational privilege, uh, whatever I have? Am I using that to advance somebody other than my immediate family? Am I doing am I am I doing that? So so those are those are things, those are some immediate examples, but those are the two things that I would like to bless uh uh Waypoint Church with. And we have been blessed by it. Thank you, Chuck. Thank you, bro. Thank Seriously. You so much. It was Thank so you. incredible. It's a uh, blessing. We'll be praying. Come back, hang out with you tomorrow. Yeah, come hang out all the time, you. man. We I'm love like, you. Like this three man weave right here. I tell you, we can we can do great things right here. Right? Yeah, Just, yeah. Liz, <laughs> you the ball, Liz. <laughs> Lift it up. All right. Um, Waypoint Church, we um, glad you're here with us. And this is the end of What's the Point podcast. We'll see you next week. Love you guys. Have a great week.